Thanks for listening to the Three Strands Podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. I know I play a lot of John Christ videos when I'm teaching, but there's a reason today, okay? Because those videos remind me of a conversation that uh, Dave and I have almost every single Sunday after church, where one of us will text the other person, depending on who's teaching that Sunday or leading the service, planning it all out, and the text will say this, how'd you think it went? How'd it go? Okay? And uh, now our evaluation, our conversation doesn't always sound like that John Christ video. Not always. Okay? Sometimes Dave's does. But uh, what we're really asking is if you think there's anything that we need to change, or do you think there's anything that I need to do different or delete or improve on for the next week? Because sometimes we worry, or I do anyway, about me getting in the way of he. And so it's a good practice to evaluate how each week went, but we realize, whoever's up here, Dave or the band, uh, whoever's up front, that it's not about me. It's about God being honored and worshiped and lifted up so he will draw all people into himself. And that's why this church is so special. Uh, We don't want to get in the way of that. We want God to work through us and not in spite of us. But the truth is this. Most of us in the room spend the majority of our time thinking about ourselves, don't we? And so this series we're beginning today is called Big God and Little Me, because we think about me more than anything else, more than anybody else. And so our theme verse for this series could be John 3, verse 30, where it says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Now, I got myself into a little trouble a few Christmases ago uh, when I got in trouble with an extended family member because uh, I gave a gift that wasn't taken as well as I thought it would be taken. You ever done that? It was my brother-in-law, and uh, he lives out of town, but he had shared with me that his favorite author was a guy named Max Licato. Well, at, my, at that time, that happened to be my favorite author as well, and so I bought him the newest Max Licato book. It just came out that previous month, and I, I brought a picture of it. Here it is. Yeah, Max Licato's newest book. It's not about me. And I gave it to him. He opened it up, and I thought, he's going to love this favorite author. And he opens it up, and he was like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then he looked at me and said, you're trying to tell me something? You know, like that. I was like, no, dude, I just knew that that was your favorite author and whatever. But I never thought that he would take that the wrong way, but he did because he thought I was trying to send him a message that he was selfish, I guess. But it's not about us, right? The truth is, life is not about us. Now, my wife, uh, she works out of town to help support our family, and uh, she cooks for us all the time. She even does the food here at church, which is absolutely wonderful, by the way, if you haven't gotten to eat any of that. It is good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff, okay? I stay away. I stay away because of this right here. But she does a lot of other selfless acts as well for our family. But a couple of years ago... um, She got just a little bit selfish, and uh, she was thinking about me, as in she, um, when she had this major Freudian slip. I mean major, all right? We were lying in bed one night, and she asked one of those loaded questions, you know, that, that spouses sometimes ask, that women sometimes ask, and it went like this. Honey, if if I die before you, 
would you ever get remarried? <laughs> oh, what a loaded question, right? So I answered like any good husband would do, right? I responded like all of you should do, guys, when, you're, when your wife asks that tonight, later on today, because it's coming. Of course not. That's stupid. How, why would you think something like that? No way. And I took it a step further. I'm not, you know, the most romantic guy in the world, but I got romantic right here when I said this. It's like a song from the 80s. And I quoted her a song that if I die before she dies, I want you to remember the chorus to this song. Take a listen. Don't be afraid of my love. I'll be watching you from above. But I'd give all the world tonight to be with you. Don't be afraid, oh my love. I'll be watching you from above. I'll, I'd give all the world tonight to be with you, right? Uh, and I'm by your side, and I still care. I may have died, but I've gone nowhere. You just think of me, and I'll be there. Oh, it was awesome. It was incredible, okay? Well, I'm sitting there saying that to her. She's over on her phone. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. I, I, I got one for you. I got one for you, she says, okay? And listen, here is what I heard playing out of her phone when she hit the play button. I've been burdened with blame Trapped in the past for too long Turn it up and rip the knob off right here. I'm moving on Yeah, 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 that's it. That is what I heard. I am moving on. And she was caught, and she said, no, 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 that's not the right one. I didn't mean to hit that button. I meant to hit something else. I'm so sorry. That's not, you know, whatever. But that was pretty me-centered, wasn't it? That's a true story. You can ask her. That really did happen, okay? Now, listen, I'm just teasing, of course. I mean, that happened, but I'm just I'm not trying to give her a hard time. But most of us think about ourselves. We think about me more than any other person. How many in the room have ever prayed, Help me. Just raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's help me get a job or help me find a house or help me find a date or help me get an A on this paper um, for this class or whatever. How many of you ever prayed, protect me? You prayed that prayer? Yeah. Okay. This is what we ask when we're traveling or we pray this for our kids or for ourselves or after we've watched a scary movie, you know, or, or watched the news with all of its drama and tragedy. How about forgive me? Anybody ever prayed forgive me? Sure. All of us have prayed that before. For forgive me for my attitude yesterday. Forgive me for what I did last week, for what I did last year, for what I did last night. On and on it goes. And so we have a list of things that we pray for ourselves. But the prayer that we most often, uh, that we pray the most often is a little strange because it involves a word that we don't say a lot until somebody sneezes. And that's the prayer, bless me. Bless me. All of us in the room want to be blessed if we're being honest. 
But I want you to think about what blessings look like in your life. Because as we get older, what that looks like changes. It's different. When we were kids, bless me meant you know, help me make the team, whatever team I was trying out for. But when we got a little older, bless me meant God bless me with a date. Or when we got into college, it was bless me with an A in that class or on that paper. And now that I'm older with kids and a mortgage, uh, bless me means something entirely different, okay? Now bless me means with the roof not leaking or with the AC working or with my vehicle working properly, right? Those of you who are my age, you know what I'm talking about. Now listen, all of those prayers may sound differently, but they all have the same common denominator, and that's me, because we all want to be blessed. But listen, the real question that I want us to wrestle with today is this, not do I want to be blessed, but does God want me to be blessed? Think about that. Does God want me to be blessed? That's the question that some of us struggle with deep down at times. And listen, if you and I are being honest this morning, some of you may answer that like this. Some of you may say, no, I don't think he does. In fact, I think that I get brownie points for suffering and being as miserable as possible. I mean, my best life is going to be in heaven someday, but this life is supposed to be miserable. That's God's will. I'm supposed to give up all the stuff that I find pleasure in. Blessing will come when I die for giving all of that up. That's how many people think. Some of you in the room may think just like that. Some of us would answer the question, does God want me to be blessed with, well, I hope so. I mean, I, I pray help me and bless me and protect me, and, and then I cross my fingers and I rub my rabbit's foot and my rosary beads because I want to be blessed. I mean, I don't know if, if God will, but I hope that he will, right? Listen, I've got some good news for us today concerning what God thinks about our prayer, bless me. In fact, Jesus gave us some much-needed wisdom about this topic. So there were all of these guys witnessing what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was saying, and then they started writing it down. And one of those authors was one of Jesus' closest three friends. He had his inner circle, Peter, James, and a guy named John. And so John starts writing this stuff down. And a few years later, I want you to take a look at what John records Jesus saying about blessing. Look at John 10, verse 10. Or if you live in Pennsylvania, it's 10, verse 10, okay? Here's what he says. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Think about that. There is somebody out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, now maybe not physically, but maybe emotionally shipwrecking you with bad decisions and, and leaving you isolated from everybody. But Jesus says the reason that he came is different. He, he said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is different. He says my purpose is to what? Give them a rich and satisfying life. That's my purpose. Not a miserable, boring life. No, an abundant life. A satisfying life. Life to the full. That's what I have for you, he says. And Jesus says that we can, we can put our faith in him, whose agenda is to bless us, 
Or we can put our faith in something or someone else, which, listen, whether they mean to or not, will steal from you, will kill your dreams, and destroy your life. Listen, the reality is that even if you're sitting here this morning and you don't believe in God, you put your faith in someone or something. Right? I mean, it may be your parents, or it may be some words of wisdom that you receive from a teacher, or a coach, or a friend. It may be the culture in which you live in. It may be some values that you cling to. You know, the truth is, you're demonstrating faith right now, just sitting in that chair. Nobody tested those chairs out before church, I promise you that. Okay? You just sat down. That's incredible, incredible faith, what you guys did this morning. Okay? But we put on our, our faith in things all the time, like chairs. We put our faith in other people all the time, like whoever's driving, right? Whoever drove you to church this morning, you had incredible faith in them. It's not always wise, though, to put our faith in other people. Okay, take a look at this video, and I'll show you why not. And we're just, it'll be an exercise in building trust uh, between one another. So Harrison, if you don't mind going first, uh, step up here on this chair and close your eyes. All right, and then everybody fill in. And we're gonna ask you to fall and then they will catch you. So you have to trust us. So I'm gonna count to three, just relax and fall, okay? One, two, three. No, wait, no, no! <laughs> it's not always wise to put your faith in other people, okay? Who do you trust, man? I wouldn't trust that bunch. They forgot to give him a key piece of instruction there, fall backwards, right? But anyway, I watched that. I was like, oh, man, poor guy. Listen, Jesus says there's two different voices that you and I can follow. We can follow his voice, which leads to life and to blessing, or we can follow everyone else's voice who sometimes are intentionally trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Or in many cases, they have good intentions. But it's just bad advice. It's not wisdom from the scriptures. Some of you go to people for advice and they give you advice, but it's not, it's not from the scriptures. It's not from God's word and it ends up stealing, killing, and destroying is what happens. Okay, it's not bad. They're trying, but it's not from God. And that advice, when taken, it leads to a life that gets destroyed. And Jesus says that when it comes to our faith, when it comes to your faith and my faith, we have two options. We can listen to his voice or everybody else's voice. Whose voice are you going to trust? Who are you going to trust? God's or everybody else's? So when we, you and I look at those two options, the option of listening to or trusting in everyone else is just kind of what normal people do. I mean, most of us just want to be normal if we're being honest. I mean, everyone else is doing it, right? I mean, that's what our culture does. That's what my parents did. That's what my friends and coworkers do. I mean, everyone at my school does it. So I'll just go with that and be normal. But guys, here's the problem with normal. The problem with normal is normal is burnout. Normal is stressed out. Normal is maxed out. No margin, insecure, relationally unhealthy, discontent. Uh, it's looking for love in all the wrong places. It's resenting your spouse. You don't even like yourself. And you need some help with anger management. That's normal. 
right? That's normal. And guys, listen, I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be normal. And that's why what Jesus says is so strange sometimes. It's so weird sometimes because it's not normal. And so can I just ask you this morning, do you want to be normal? Do you want to be normal? Jesus says he's got an abundant life for us. It's better, way better than normal. And it may seem weird. It may, but listen, it is good. It's good. And it also happens to be the path that leads to blessing and abundance. So during this series, just four weeks, not eight like Opie said, okay? During this series, we're going to dive deep into what that looks like, what that kind of life looks like, and how to decrease the focus from us, and we're going to kind of change gears from where we're living the same old day in, day out, normal kind of lives that leads to, you know, what everybody else is doing, right? Bad marriages and troubled teens and frustrated finances. And we're going to increase our focus on God and what Jesus has to say. Because he has got a plan for us to find life abundantly, to live life to the full. That's God's will for you and I. So in Matthew 16, Jesus says some of that weird stuff to his disciples. Now his audience probably misunderstood when they first heard this, just like you and I sometimes misunderstand when we're reading something in the Bible for the first time. They probably thought that what he said here was weird. But remember, we don't want to be normal, okay? So let's look at it in Matthew 16, verse 24. This is the scripture that Taylor read earlier. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower... Here's what you got to do. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now think about those three stages. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Now listen, for those of you who grew up in church, you may have heard this before. If you've ever been to Hobby Lobby, okay, you've probably seen this before on a sign or something like that because it's an often quoted saying of Jesus. But we need to under, excuse me, understand, uh, this audience that he was speaking to, if they were to see someone wearing a cross, a gold cross around their neck like many people in our culture do, that would have been weird. Okay, That would have really flipped them out. Uh, they would be so confused wondering, why are you wearing a symbol of execution around your neck? That's weird. Why would you do that? So when they heard Jesus say, you know, You've got to take up your cross. I mean, that was the worst, most painful form of execution that anyone had ever developed. So today, it would would be kind of like saying, um, I want you to deny yourself and take up your electric chair and follow me. Right? I mean, people have tattoos of a cross. I've never one time seen anybody with a tattoo of an electric chair, right? It's like, hey, dude, check this out, man. I got this new tattoo of my electric chair right here. And if you rub your feet against the carpet with socks on, it works. You know, static electricity. Never. Never seen anybody with a tattoo of an electric chair. We don't think that way. But listen, a cross, would have. that's kind of what they would have heard. You know, that would have been weird how they would have heard it when Jesus said it. And then he goes on in verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. 
But if you would just give up your life, why? For my sake, what will happen? You'll save it. And what do you benefit? I mean, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? Guys, that is classic Jesus. He makes a point, and then he asks a question. And his point is, listen, his point is that in order to find, you have to lose. In order to find life, you have to lose life. That's a little weird, isn't it? That's not how you and I normally think. Now listen, many people have misinterpreted what Jesus says here, thinking that if we don't suffer and if we aren't miserable all of the time, then we won't go to heaven. And many people tend to still think that today, that if we don't deny ourselves and make ourselves more miserable, right, then I might be good enough to get to heaven one day, and then someday later I can be happy. But please hear me this morning. That is not at all what Jesus is saying here. Okay? This is why when I asked you at the beginning, does God want you to be blessed, something inside some of you went, no, not yet. I mean, it's coming someday, but not yet. But listen, Jesus is not talking about this in terms of a destination, heaven or hell. He's talking about this in terms of a diagnosis. This is not about the hereafter. It is about the here and now. And listen, the diagnosis that you and I, we all know is true is this. If your soul is sick, even if you gain the whole world, it won't help, right? That's the diagnosis. That if our soul is sick, even if we gain everything, it's not going to help. Think about it like this. Can you think of anyone who has everything that you want and they're still miserable? If I could only have her body, well, guess what? She does have her body and she's still miserable. If I could only make as much money as he does, well, guess what? He makes that much money and he is still miserable. If I could only be famous like them, guess what? They are famous and they are still miserable. I like what Jim Carrey once said. He said, I wish everyone at some point in their lives could be rich and famous so they could realize it's not enough. It's not enough. Guys, we've, we've known people. We have seen people. We have been people. Right? We've been people who have had what we've always wanted only to find out that it wasn't enough. And if we had three wishes right now, if I could grant you just three wishes, we would think of something we want so badly. But the reality is that if you got it, you would still be miserable. Why? Because if your soul is sick, you can gain the whole world, but you still lose your soul. How do we have a healthy soul? How do we have a healthy soul? Jesus gave it to us in that passage. We deny ourselves, we die to ourselves, he said take up our cross, and then we follow Jesus. Those are the three steps. We deny ourselves, die to ourselves, and follow Jesus. That's how you and I have a healthy soul. Think about it. For all of life to work, it requires some self-denial, doesn't it? I mean, receiving and giving is what makes life possible. Th think about breathing. 
Everybody take a, a deep breath in. At some point, you got to let it out, right? You can't hold it in forever. We drink water, right? We drink water. But at some point, you got to let it out, right? All of life is about taking in and letting go. And we tend to think that life is just about receiving. And so we value things like how much we can keep and how much we can hoard and save and store up and hang on the walls at home and and put in the garage. But listen, Jesus is saying to us this morning that if all we do is receive, if that's all we do, our souls are sick because that is not the way that life is supposed to work. Not an abundant life, not a life to the full. Guys, listen, your soul was created or was not created to be a reservoir where you just store up. It was created to be a river. It was created to be a river. And Jesus is referred to as the living water in the scriptures. And the more you surrender to this living water, the less thirsty you're going to be for things that don't matter. Listen, God's blessing will begin to grow in your life. He he will become bigger and bigger, and we will become smaller and smaller. But the problem for some of us is that the theme song of our lives has become, or has always been, me. It's all about me. I did it my way, right? What can I get? How can I get more? What, What can I take? And Jesus says, the more me, the more misery. He didn't really say that, but that's what he meant, okay? The more me, the more misery, right? I'm a poet and didn't know it. Think about this in terms of relationships. Don't you know people that when they walk into the room, it just drains the life out of everybody? You know people like that? Why is that? Because they are so consumed with themselves. And when they walk into the room, it's got to be all about them. I need this. I need you to do that. It just sucks the air right out of the room from the moment they walk in. And then when they walk out of the room and they leave, you can breathe. And you can relax again. All that person wants is to receive, not to give. What does it gain or profit a man to, to gain the what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, to receive the whole world, but your soul is still sick because it never gives back. What good is it? Some of you may experience this spiritually. Some people consume church services, Bible studies, life groups, podcasts books and they get into a church where all they do is consume and consume and consume and then at some point you know what they conclude that church doesn't have anything for me anymore and so they just hop on down to the next church listen if that is you you are bumping up against reality and even though you're getting good stuff please hear me you are spiritually constipated okay you're spiritually constipated tweet that all right All you're doing is taking in, and you're not letting go of anything. That's not good for your health. It's not good for your health physically, and it's not good for your health spiritually. Guys, you and I can get so spiritually obese. 
we're, where all we do is consume. But listen to me. What we need to do is to give back. Give back. Yes, receive, but then give so you can have the capacity to receive more. Jesus is saying that this is the way life works. That is the ebb and flow of life. And listen, when you and I will rescind, uh, just surrender to that flow, to God's flow of not just receiving but giving back, when you and I will surrender to the God's flow, that is when blessings will begin to grow in your life. That's when it will start to happen. And all of us want to be blessed. So how do we surrender to God's flow? How do we do that? Three things I want to leave you with, okay? How do we surrender to God's flow? The first one is this. Remember that God is the source. God is the source. The place where all goodness comes from is not from the store. It's not from the mall. It's not from the car dealership. It's not from the internet. It's not from another person. It is from God and God alone. The problem that many of us uh, you know, view blessing, we view blessing as, as a destination, when I get there, when I get that, when I get them, then I'll be blessed. It's about a job, it's about a person, it's about a child. And listen, the moment we finally get it, we realize those things weren't enough. For, for all of you single people in the room, and you're out there trying to find the one, right? I've been in your shoes, okay? You're out there trying to find the one, the perfect person. God's going to bring them to me someday. I know the one is out there. Can I just set your mind at ease this morning? They don't exist. They're not out there, okay? I mean, listen, have you ever met a perfect person? Never, right? The problem is that when you look for them and then you think that you found them, you expect them to be perfect, and they're not perfect. And so what do they do? They leave you disappointed. You put an expectation on them, a weight on them that they were never meant to carry. They'll never be able to live up to that. And guess what? Neither can you. You can't either. And so I always advise single people, I give them this advice, okay? Don't look for the one. Be the one. Be the person that the one you're looking for is what, Abby? Looking for. She's heard it for years. Be the kind of person the one you're looking for is looking for. Be the one. And guess what? Then you will attract those kinds of people. But hear me, they are not the source of blessing. God is. God alone. Now, Jesus' half-brother, a guy named James, he said it like this. James 1.17. Whatever is good... And perfect, well, it's a gift coming down to us from God, our Father. Not from there, not from that, not from them, but from Him. That's where good things come from. Who created all the lights in the heavens, He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. In other words, God's been doing this from the beginning of time. He is doing it now, and He will continue to do it in the future. We can trust Him. We really can. So if you're here this morning and you're still kind of on the outside looking in, do you want to know what the Christian life is all about? Can I just sum it up for you real quick? The Christian life or following Jesus, it's simply about receiving the grace and mercy of God and then giving it away. 
receiving the grace and mercy of God and then not holding on to it, but giving it away. That's it. The problems begin to arise when it becomes all about me. Big me, little God. That's when the problems arise. And so can I just ask you another question this morning? What's the area in your life where you still just have your arms crossed and a scowl on your face towards God? What is it for you? Where his voice is saying to you that you need to forgive. And the other voice in your head is saying, don't you dare. Don't you dare let them get away with what they did to you. Which voice of those two has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy? One voice is saying to you, you should serve, you should, you should help out. But the other voice is saying, you're not good enough. They don't need you. They don't even want you. Which of those two voices has come to steal, to kill, and destroy? One voice says, you should give. You should open up your hands, open up your wallet, and you should serve people financially. You should help that person out. And the other voice says, they don't really need it. I mean, you don't know what they're going to do with that anyway. Somebody else will take care of it. Which voice has come to steal, kill, and destroy? All blessings come from God. It's not our job to hoard it. It's our job to dispense it, to give it away. The second one is this. Less is more. Less is more. Guys, the quicker that we learn this, the happier we're going to be. We think the more we get, the happier we're going to be. It's just not true. The secret to financial freedom is not earning more, but wanting less. Being rich is not the person who has the most, but it's the one who needs the least. Did you know in America that most people live on 110% of their income? 110% of their income. Guys, money is not a mystery. It's just math, you know? And we constantly think we need more and more, and it just messes up our math. Messes it up. Look how Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes 4.6 when he said, Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. You know, when one of my kids comes out to the garage and, and helps me carry in the grocery bags, I realize that it's much easier to walk into my house with one handful than it is with two. And the quicker that we learn that, that less is more, the happier you and I are going to be. Aren't there times in your life when you look back, you look back to a point in your life where you didn't have as much as you do now, and you think, you know what? Those were the good old days. Those were the good old days, right? I mean, it was less. It was less to manage, less to worry about. And Jesus is urging us this morning to move from survival and success into significance. That blessing is found not in more, but in less. And the last one is this. Focus on forever. Focus on forever. Guys, your soul had a starting point, but it does not have an ending point. The, the only thing identical on every headstone when you walk around a cemetery, you can walk around for hours and look for what's identical. There's only one thing. 
And it's that little dash between the date of birth and the date of death that represents our lives. And that little dash goes by in a blink, doesn't it? I mean, it goes by so quick. So why do we worry? Why do we stress so much about our investments in, in, in the small amount of time that we have and then invest nothing in forever? In forever. Jesus said it. What good will it be if you gain that whole world and then you lose your soul? Guys, get your soul right with God. When we listen to that other voice, we're just living on junk food. When Jesus says he's come to give us living water, that he's come to give us life to the full. And so I'll just close with this. In the end, there's two things that matter. God and people. Love God, love people. That has been my life's mission statement for about 20 years now. I'm going to do two things every morning when I get up. I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love people. That's it. That's it. Why not surrender today? Why not surrender today to God's flow of receiving and giving? And can I just challenge you, as Dave said last week, if not now, guys, when? When? How many church services are you going to come to? How, how many Bible verses does it take? What am I, when's it going to happen? You know, for some of you, I'm, I'm begging you. God has been speaking to you for weeks and months. And can I just ask you, if not today, then when? When? I promise you, if you do that, you will discover how blessed that you really are.